Hello, 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 and welcome to week 37 of the 52 Week Film Project. This week we are reviewing the Netflix film Ray Romano, Everybody Loves Raymond, not Everybody Loves Raymond, but Everybody Loves Raymond, film Paddleton. Heartbreaking, comedic, interesting film. And we've also got some fantastic bits of news for you this week as well. Um, But more importantly, we begin the weeks where me, I am in England and Jake is in New Zealand. Jake, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, mate. It's it's eight o'clock in the morning. I've just woken up in a hostel. Um, this is the start of the Kiwi series. The Kiwi series. Um, I love it. Yeah, it, it's bizarre, mate, because it's you've just got back from a long day at work. Yes. And I'm just about to start a long day of doing absolutely whatever I want. It's really weird. Also, we're recording through Skype, and the connection is so impressive. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, Yeah, let's jinx not jinx it, now. it yet. We've yeah. got another three episodes <laughs> while I'm out here. Yeah, so far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> uh, well, well, <laughs> <come to, laughs> out. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, man. No, so I've been out here for four days now, me and my girlfriend, Olivia, who's been mentioned many a time in this podcast, and will probably be joining the podcast next week for the Captain Marvel review. Fantastic. Um, we started in Auckland. We had a couple of days up in the North Island, and we've gone down. We're now in a place called Rotorua, which stinks of sulphur. Uh, there's lots of like thermal pools and barbs around. But on our way down here, we went for a tour of the Hobbiton set, Ooh. which was um, quite a big moment for me because you know we both grew up with those films. Ollie, not so much. She very much enjoyed the tour, but is very much looking forward to now watching the films retrospectively. So when when it's like, because it, it is essentially a real life recreation of, of Hobbiton, the whole movie set is just built into those hills. What's it like? Is it is it huge? Is it rolling? Yeah, well, I mean, it's massive. And essentially, I mean, they churn people in and out. There's tours every 10 minutes, but they do quite oh a good God. job of, you go around with a guy with maybe like 40 people and it's not too like... It's not too busy, but it is like it's a whole little village set into the set into the hills. You've got forty-four individual hobbit holes. You've also got the giant party tree, which you might remember from where they hold their kind of little festivals, yep. which is a real a real oak tree. Um, you've also got uh, the Green Dragon Inn, which is obviously the pub, and that's that's probably the biggest building out of all of them, and the little windmill and the bridge. Um, and you can walk around the whole thing with it's a guided tour. Um, they point out to you though that most of the Hobbit holes they they don't actually have like houses inside them. They are just set into the set into the hills um, because all of the scenes that were shot inside, like Bilbo's house, for example, are shot in Wellington in like a studio. Um, ah. So you, like that was something that I didn't realize when we were going to. I thought you could actually walk around Bilbo and Frodo's house like Bag End, and you can't. Um, but you can kind of go inside the entrance to one briefly. In the Green Dragon Inn, you can walk around inside, and that's pretty cool. They give you like a, a Hobbit beer, um, a Hobbit ale, which is quite actually surprisingly tasty. A Hobbit ale um, being a small ale, or it's like they give you the little um, ceramic jugs that they drink out of in the film, and there's like a few different beers that are brewed by like a local brewery, but they're called like the Hobbiton beers. Oh, cool! Um, so that was pretty good. Um, it's interesting though when you go and see it because obviously they in 2011 they shot the Hobbit films and what happened was after the Lord of the Rings series finished shooting they had a contractual obligation with the Alexander Farm which is where the set is to tear down the set once they once they finished filming and they got halfway through tearing it down before there was like this major storm. And so the demolition crew came, they left like 14 Hobbit holes or something like that. And they were like, oh, we'll come back in a couple of months when we can do it safely. And in that time, loads of people were like banging on the Alexander's door saying like, oh, like we, we really, really want to see the set of the movies. Because obviously they became this massive cultural thing. Um, and so they then went into negotiations with Peter Jackson and the studio to allow them to do tours around these kind of 14 remaining hobbit holes that weren't taught, like broken down and it became this big thing but when they came round to filming the hobbit trilogy in 2009 they rebuilt the whole of hobbiton with actual like structurally sound permanent materials so that the tours could be like even better than they've ever been wow. so essentially if if you've been to see it pre 2009 you've seen like the OG hobbit holes that were in the Lord of the Rings trilogy but if you go to it now 
you literally walk around it like it is picturesque, perfect, like it is in the movie. Um, it was quite the experience, man. It was really, really cool. I was definitely way too tall. Way <laughs> too tall. Yeah, I can imagine. You just bumped when I was, into when we were like things. When we were like moving up to it, when we were coming up to it at the start, I was worried that there was going to be like, you know, at Fort Park, you have like a minimum and a maximum height restriction for some of the rides. Yeah. I was like panicking that it's going to be some kind of maximum height rule that they suddenly like whip out. And it's like, no, sorry, you can't do the tour. <laughs> But no, we were oh fun. dear! Um, yeah, that no, is so amazing. It's, been, it's been, been good so far. I watched a lot of films on the flight over here. Um, I was actually before the news. I was going to give you a quick rundown. Oh I can't please do! If I told you what I watched. Um, I watched Wreck It Ralph two, which we were going to review back in November, and we didn't. Oh, I also watched that this week. Weirdly, oh, weird coincidence. I quite liked it, but it was it was it was odd. I like there was there's certain moments in it that I really really liked. Um, the Disney princesses scenes. I think every single Disney princess scene is a banger, but I I, I found it okay. I didn't find it I, overwhelmingly I the, amazing. I thought the plot was a bit shit. Yeah, but like some of the individual. It, again, it was like how you described the Lego Movie. Like the plot was a bit average, but the jokes in between were really good. Mm. Yeah, I think, that's, um, I think that's the case. It also it did, kind of felt a little bit too like Ready Player One for me, which was such a like I, I loved that film when I went and saw it. It was like a, one of the biggest surprises of last year for me. Um, and it kind of fell with the whole like death race thing or whatever it was in the Wreck It Ralph two story. It kind of felt like the same film, um, yeah. and it got a bit boring. Have you seen Wreck yeah, It Ralph no, one? Yeah, I have, and it's really good. It's, okay. it's very, it's a very different film. Uh, um, I also watched, I watched half of Infinity War when I was like especially tired. I watched the second half because it just gets me so gassed for Endgame. Like it's, it's literally like two months away now. Yeah, you just um, want to see all the fighting and all the combinations and the Guardians like quipping against Tony Stark. That's the, that's mate, the second part of that movie. Mate, it's nuts. I can't wait. Um, I watched Space Jam for the first time in like six years. Wow. And it's, I mean, it's, it's dreadful. Um, it's made even more weird by the fact that there's all this recent stuff going on with R. Kelly and obviously he, he, he wrote and sung the I Believe I Can Fly song which is like the Space Jam theme tune um, have you seen all of that about him in the news in the last couple of days? I have yes um, I feel like he went on like CBS and like broke down and was like smacking his fists and his chest and everything it's I mean I've, I've known R. Kelly's a bit of a creep for, for years and years now so it's just so for me it's just like oh well I, I kind of knew that anyway. Yeah, well I mean that's the thing. I, I said to Ollie when you watch that footage, I'm sure other people that are listening to this have. It, it looks to me like a man who did some weird shit when he was becoming famous, but maybe didn't because he was so swept up in it all, didn't really realise how awful it was or how, how the implications of it at the time, and is now kind of like a grown man with kids who kind of just wants to leave that shadow behind but can't accept the fact that what he did was really bad and needs to be punished mm. it's it's weird it's really weird um, yeah it's a difficult situation yeah but it's a but it's a great song <laughs> <laughs> same with remix ignition yeah. i'm never gonna and not same like with it all sadly. of michael jackson anyway um oh save oh. that mate save that that's my bit of news <laughs> um but yeah no so just quickly running through it so i watched those um, I watched a film called Chef Flynn, which was like the surprise film of my flight. Have you heard of Chef Flynn? Uh, no, but is it a spin-off of your favourite film, which is Chef? No, 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 no. It's a good guess. Uh, but it's no, it's a documentary about a like 16-year-old boy in the States who, from 10 years old, knew he wanted to become a chef. And they like made this pop-up restaurant for their friends and family like in their house. And it eventually, he became so good when he was like 13, 14, that they started like charging for people to come and dine at their house. And he had all of his little school friends like waiting the tables and all of that. But then he rapidly outgrew that. And the, the documentary traces all of that beginning all the way up to him at 16, commandeering his own like New York restaurant for a two day pop up and like, like literally organizing and controlling everything as a 16 year old kid like it, it's wow. such an interesting documentary um, it, like his motivation is nuts but it also goes through the whole like he, he got a lot of um, in the U I'd, I'd never heard of him before watching this but he got a lot of publicity and some people in the chef community or like the fine cuisine community really hate on him because they think he's a gimmick and he's not really legit and he hasn't gone through the traditional chef route 
but he's now trying to change that perspective perception so that people can understand that you don't have to go through that kind of french school for 14 years and educated at x y and z to be a good chef yeah um yeah really really interesting i'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend and then the final one that i watched i mean this was two eleven hour flights um was a film called the kindergarten teacher with maggie gyllenhaal now i don't want to talk about that at the moment because it was such an interesting film that i think we need to review it together when did it come out? Is it a, is well, it quite an old film? Is it? Well, I was trying to I was trying to figure. No, it's, it's this year. Oh, um, cool! But I was trying to figure it out because it's out in the US and it's out in some parts of Europe, and it's on Netflix, but it's not on Netflix in the UK yet. So when it comes out in the UK, I think we need to review it. Hopefully, it'll be sometime this month, so we can talk about it before I'm back. But yeah, like very, very, very interesting film. Um, wow. A lot to talk about there. Good, good. That's very. That's all very exciting news. Um, I mean, the, the 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 fact. I think out of those films, which one would you? I suppose we apart from the kindergarten teacher, which one of those would you recommend to the listeners out of the films apart from the kindergarten teacher, which we'll do a review oh. about. Oh god, I mean, for pure throwback appeal, Space Jam. But if you want to watch something new that you haven't seen before, look up this Chef Flynn film. It's only like an hour and ten minutes long. It's really interesting. That does sound amazing. I, I love the idea of people knowing what they want to be at a very young age and doing it. I find it yeah. fascinating. Makes um, you feel bad about your life. Yeah, I know. It? It does, yeah, it makes you feel sad. Um, right, Imagine we, if we'd known we wanted to do podcasting at nine years old. Oh, we'd think have about how Think about we'd how huge we'd be now. I know. We'd have 78, um, 50, 52 Anyway, let's, let's do some news. What, what have you got for us this week? Um, so my first bit of news is that Arrow, the the CW network show that is, that is spawned what is known as the Arrowverse in DC TV, um, which contains, but not limits to, uh, Vixen, the animated show, um, Arrow, L- League of Tomorrow, or Le- no, DC Legends of Tomorrow, and Flash. Um, Arrow is being cancelled after season eight uh, concludes in a 10 episode eight, season, season finale eight. there's 8 seasons God, it deserves to be cancelled well this is the thing um, I'll, I'll, I'll do the piece of, piece of like, the full news like the headlines and then Go I'm going to take, take my case on it um, it was announced by um, Steve Armell who, who is the um, person who plays Arrow on his Twitter he says playing Oliver Queen has been the greatest professional experience of my life but you can't be a vigilante forever um, the showrunners have said um well, ex- executive producers, um, so the DC people, have said that um, it's a difficult decision, but um, it's essentially, it, it came about because it had its time. It's not something that's getting cancelled because, for the sake of getting cancelled, it's just that they've run out of story. Um, um, fans have been celebrating, but there's also an interesting Twitter handle that's been like slightly, slightly trending recently, which is Arrow is over party, which I think speaks to the problem. Now, I, I was a big fan of Arrow up till about season four. I got to season, end of season four and I was like, this show has run out of ideas. It's the same kind of narratives. The same characters keep on popping up. Um, and I'm sure that season five and six has some good moments in it. But critically, it just started dying as a format. And I think Flash, in terms of popularity, overtook it quite quickly when it came out. Arrow got to season three when Ash got and when Flash started season one <clears throat> and Flash just um, knocked it out of the park in terms of like audience figures and in terms of not being it being a PG-12, PG-13 not a R-rated thing um, yeah. so yeah I'm quite sad it's over I'm sad that John Barrowman's out of a job, that's very sad because John Barrowman is crucially in Arrow who is he? he's the, he's the main villain in the first two series no first series that and makes- then recurring that makes me infinitely more interested in watching Arrow. Yeah, John Barrowman's in it. Yeah, he's great. He's so good. He plays the Torchwood. In Torchwood, he plays like he he can be good, but he can also be very bad at some points. It's just him playing that mm. bad aspect of Torchwood personality, and it's great. Um, I also will be sad that um, my crush Colton Haynes will also be out of a job, but he quit. <laughs> he, he, Colton Haynes, Teen Wolf Colton Haynes is the most beautiful man on the planet. 
Um, and it and it also when he came out about two years ago, it, I I think I leapt for joy because I was like, there is a distant possibility that in some scenario I will be dating Colton Haynes in in thirteen years, maybe not thirteen a man, years. A man can dream. A man can dream exactly. Um, you should so do yeah, that thing that Jim Carrey did to uh, get all of his major Hollywood roles and like, so what's it called? Self actualizing. Self actualizing. If you like, if you if you like, force yourself into the mindset that that's what you're gonna achieve, then you'll do it. Yeah, I think so. Um, I do that when I I do that when I see cheese in a supermarket that I'm not sure that I can pay for. Well, this is the thing. I, I, the... I force myself to believe I can pay for it, and then it ends up in my stomach. I can't believe we're gonna talk about this in the. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't believe we're going to talk about this in the podcast, but there is a um, there. Is, my favorite podcast is a podcast called All Right Mary, which is a RuPaul's Drag Race Ooh. recap podcast, which is incredible. They have such an amazing take on the world and life, and they have such interesting things to say. Um, but there is a man called Colin Drucker who I just find like him as a person, him as a voice, him as a um, interesting queer individual is so interesting and, and also very hot. Um, and I was like, this is never going to happen. Like, I can only dream. And then Johnny from the podcast, there's Colin and Johnny, um, followed me on Instagram about three <gasps> weeks ago. And I was like, maybe self-actualization actually works. I was like, yeah. this could be getting me closer. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Oh, yes, definitely. definitely. Keep an eye out. Hopefully he won't unfollow you. Yeah. You're not very active on Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's very true. Very, very true. I love how he followed your personal Instagram and not the podcast one. You should, like, divert him to this. Well, considering... This is the thing, Jake. I don't post, post often on Instagram, but when I do post on Instagram, I have... I do They're get fire. a considerable amount of likes, which is wonderful. It's very kind that people reciprocate. It's very kind. Um, anyway, anyway, we were talking about self actualization, not self-indulgence. And then we were Next. originally talking about arrows. Arrows. Arrows and arrow. Yeah, the news um, got lost in there somewhere. So my first bit is about this new Bond 25 film that still doesn't have a name, uh, directed by Carrie Fukunaga, who's obviously, you know, we're big fans of. Um, following the Oscars winning his Academy Award for Best Actor, it's kind of... Rami Malek is in final talks to sign on as the villain for this film, which is pretty exciting. Um, apparently the original reason why it's been taking so long is because he's filming the final season of Mr. Robot when they want to shoot the Bond film and so the scheduling conflict meant he couldn't do both Um, but they've now since resolved that and apparently it's been reported that both sides were just waiting to see what happened at the Oscars because if he won, which he did, it would raise his quote um, so not only did he win the act, the acting Oscar, but it probably gave him a significant bit of leverage in securing even more money to play this Bond villain. Yeah, because um, now you have a, you, now you have in the trailers Academy Award winner Rami Malek, which is which is quite a big thing for a Bond film. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. There's some other roles that still need to be filled. Apparently, Peter Nyong'o was being. Um, uh, she she was being kind of championed for one of the roles, but they her team has since said that she won't do it. Um, they've also said that there's an American CIA agent role to fill, and Billy Magnuson, um, who's obviously a, a, a fellow Maniac alumni with Carrie Fukunaga, um, is reportedly top choice to play. Um, he's also about to star in Aladdin, so he's like all of a sudden this guy's kind of shot through the stratosphere in terms of acting roles which is amazing um, yeah which i mean he's really good he's really really good um, I mean, so it's nice to see cia agent that sounds to me that they're bringing back felix leiter mm, well I, I have no idea who that is but i'm sure you can film felix leiter the fate yeah, um in okay first this okay, i'm trying to think of the reference point um the guy that was pl- the guy that's in westworld um as the main guy um who is also in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace? Who has appeared in all the Felix Leiter has appeared in? I think all of Bond's iterations, maybe not Brosnan, um, as James Bond's friend from the CIA that pops up. He was in the original James Bond film Doctor No. He's been in all the books. Um, but, but is Felix Leiter the name of the character or the actor? Felix Leiter is the name of the character. I can't think of the name of the actor right now because memory. Um, I can look it up, but it will just take too long. 
Um, but surely, have, if they've had him in this Daniel Craig series of Bond films, they wouldn't want to change the actor. Correct, but then also, they well, unless they want to bring him back, I I, I agree. But then also, I feel like continuity for Bond changed so much when Skyfall came out that they could do it. Yeah, like yeah, it, fair it, enough. Because it because the original character in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace is 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 the is the character at the beginning of his career. And then mm. Skyfall critically is at the end of his career. It it, it takes a thematic jump a couple of years, um, so it, so they could recast um, without too much worries. But mm. yeah, in, interesting stuff. I'm excited to see. And also, I suppose it Rami Malek being the villain would also be comparative to Christoph Waltz, um, Academy Award winner Christoph Waltz, and also mm. Academy Award winner Javier Bardem. Yeah, well. actually, so to be fair, it's not that it's not as big. News-wise, as I thought it would be to have an Academy Award-winning Bond villain, has, um, uh, Mad, has Mads Mikkelsen ever won an Academy Award? I don't think he so. Was, I think he, he, I think... was, he was Le Chief, wasn't he, in Casino Royale? Yes, he was. I think he might win one next year for Polar, but um, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love Brilliant. that's just laughable. <laughs> I tried to keep a straight face. <laughs> oh dear. Um, um, yeah, so my wow. second piece of news. Shall I go on to go um, trailer news? Very important trailer news. The Game of Thrones trailer has finally, finally been released. But this and is this is finally the final, final, final season trailer. Yes. So there's Oft- not going to be any more now. Yeah, this exactly. This is it. And we've seen HBO I loved how teasers. I loved how people on Twitter were freaking out about the fact that this was the last time they'd ever see a Game of Thrones trailer. Like, sh- shut up. Surely you should be more excited about watching the series. Correct. Like, oh no, we're never going to have another trailer. Like, shut up. That's yeah, not the correct. Point. Um, as... I'd expected this trailer tells you absolutely nothing. Um, it do, it tells you a lot of stuff um, if you look into it. Critically, there was a Reddit user. I I was supposed to bring get his um his handle up um, so I could tell you who it was and thank him. But he has released the footage, but have, has brightened it by about seventy five percent, which allows for you to see a couple of a couple of d- details that you would have missed before. Don't, don't people think that it's Jamie Lannister chasing Arya? Um, it's either Jamie Lannister or a skeletal figure. That, that's, that's the oh, two so it things. could be a White Walker then. So maybe. it could be a White Walker, which would be much less interesting because I assume that the White Walkers are going to hit Winterfell before they hit King's Landing. Like that would that was going to happen at some point because Winterfell is the Guardians of the North. Um, it, another thing from the trailer is that Cersei has got back on the booze. Um, critically, yeah. at the end of the last season, Cersei told Jamie that she was pregnant, and so that so her being back on the booze either suggests yeah, that that's that not the, not the yeah. What does that mean? She's not pregnant. She is pregnant, but she doesn't care. Which it says down, so that could be a case. Um, other things to note: um, the um, you ha- the Cersei has hired the infamous band of cell swords. Um, fi- founded by Agor Rivers, uh, c- called the I think it's the Golden Band or the Golden Banners or something like that, um, and they are in the books. They're they're a kind of famous part of the books, and they appear in this trailer. So fans of the books are very excited about that. Um, everyone is at Winterfell, like you see most people at Winterfell, um, and then I think the last thing to note is that Jon Snow will ride a dragon. Um, that is that is actually the one thing you can confirm from the trailer is that Jon Snow will ride a dragon. The series is coming out April 14th, 2019, which is soon. Uh, it's very soon. I've been waiting for this for a while now, and it, it's 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 now approaching. It's very, very exciting. Um, it's, but it is only six episodes long, um, as we've mentioned but before. But they're, the they're feature length, aren't they? They're, they're feature like length. Eight, every episode is feature minutes. length. So essentially that what that means is there's going to be four character deaths every episode, which I'm very excited for. Is that is that a genuine stat? Is that what's what's expected? No, no. I just, I just, I'm pretty sure that will happen. Either that. Or how, how do you want it? How do you want it to end? Um, who do I want to be on the Iron Throne? I, at the moment, I kind of don't. I, the problem is, is that the Game of Thrones is has fallen on its own sword. Um, get the pun. Um, because it's 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 presented each character now as me not wanting them to sit on the Iron Throne, apart from Podrick. So I'm going to say Podrick. Yeah, I you, you can't dislike Podrick, can you? Yeah, there's no, I, every I other character is slightly tainted by something. I, I they, kind they, they, of want I kind of want the series to end 
with everyone dead except for Jamie Lannister, who's there, like, holding his sword and crying amongst, like, the flames. I, I just want something really bleak like that, mm. but I don't want him to die. No. I think that what might happen is that is that Tyrion becomes on the throne, but I also have this seeking suspicion that he's going to die. Um, I think he'll die in the last episode. I think he'll be a while, but I think he is going to die. Um, the other option I was thinking of is that it might they might do a troll of like who will win the Iron Throne, and it's it becomes a democracy, um, which might which might be the the conclusion of all of it is that the Game of Thrones world becomes a d- democracy. I just don't see. I just don't see how there's any kind of total or final, like final way of resolving it all. Now that's my problem. Is that I think that no one is going to be satisfied with the way this ends. Yeah. Um, especially because the show is going a different direction to the books, but the books practically don't exist anymore, do they? Like, when was the last time we fucking released one? Like six years ago. Yeah. It's a it, I, his work ethic. I mean, I'm sure that he is working, but the, I, I, my problem is that I just see him constantly on different talk shows, just promoting like other stuff and like visits he's going to do to Comic Con and stuff like this. I'm like, that's not writing. That's promoting yourself as a as the character George Martin. Yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Than the, rather but he also than the, he's, he's doing that sci-fi TV series as well, isn't he? Yes, he is. Mentioned on the 52 week film project. Yeah, you heard it here first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting, interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the series. I just don't think it's going to be particularly. I, I just thought the last season was so rushed. I think this one's going to be even more rushed. Yeah, um, I agree. It's one of the rare instances where I know it's so hard to do with like the fact that the actors are aging, but I would have been much more content with two or three more seasons of spread outness than these two rushed seasons correct or i would have liked to see a um a, like a season five um there being a standalone game of thrones show that's released as well and so mm. you have the end of game of thrones but you also have this thing written by the two creators and not george r, george r. r. martin <laughs> george r. George, r. george r binks yeah exactly george, george r. r martin the inventor of star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true um, my second bit of news is really short, so I'll I'll, I'll say that, and then I'll go on to my third bit because it's a bit more interesting. Oh, nice! Um, second bit of news: there's a Tolkien movie coming out. We've known about this for quite a while. J.R. Tolkien, who obviously wrote Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, um, Topical. it's starring Nicholas Holt as a young Tolkien and Lily Collins as his wife. What is um, Lily Collins in? I she's famous, but I don't know what for. I don't know. I thought she was the person. I thought she was the actress from. Mamma Mia, here we go again until until I actually watched the trailer this morning and realised she's not at all. <laughs> um I don't know I don't know who she is. Um I do recognise her though, I just don't know what from. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I've no idea what she's been in. But it it looks quite good. I mean it, it's a relatively well known story to well, to, to British people, I guess, that Tolkien was um he grew up in the UK and he went to fight in the war and him and his his you know he his ideas for the fellowship and the fires of mordor and all of these beasts and all, all of the kind of mythos of of middle earth kind of came to him in his time spent in the trenches um he was also educated at birmingham university which is where me and will both studied um there's actually a tolkien room in our guild of students was he educated at birmingham university or did he teach there I'm pretty sure he educated there. Because I know that he definitely went to Oxford, um, but that might have been to do a master's or PhD. Um, mm. So I, I, I don't know. But I critically know that he was brought up in Edgbaston. That is the one yes. fact I do know about him. Um, and that is very exciting because we, we were in Edgbaston when we were at uni. Um, it but was we made also... Of- you, Birmingham also has the largest freestanding clock tower in Europe. Um, it's called Old Joe. Big up, Old Joe. Big up, Old Joe. Um, and it, it's isn't it, it? It's widely widely regarded, and it's been mentioned many times by him himself that that was what inspired the uh, the Eye of Sauron, right? Yeah, and also every fucking tour of Birmingham University <laughs> says that <Yeah>. fact. <laughs> It's a sellable fact about, about the uni. It, <laughs> I, we we should have just done that when we were low on a few few quid. Well, we should have just done Lord of the Rings tours around our campus. Why has no one done that? That's genius. That's such a good idea. Anyway, um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for the I'm excited for the Tolkien movie mainly to just see what Derek Jacobi does um, because the only I've not seen Derek Jacobi in a lot of films, um, but when he is in a film like Gladiator, he's fantastic. Um, so I'm excited to see how he does. 
Um, yeah, I'm. Ex- I think I'll. I think I'll like the film. I think it won't be anything extraordinary. I feel like yeah, Nicholas definitely. Holt is one of those actors that, apart from in Skins, I've never found that compelling. Um, yeah, I, there was also a film where he was like an A and R music rep. I can't remember what it was called, but that was a bit rubbish. It was. It was trying to go for like a Wolf of Wall Street vibe, but Nicholas Holt's not really very Wolf of Wall Street. No, I agree. Your third piece of news, my friend. Yes, so I wanted to bring this up because I think it's quite current, it's quite interesting, and it's definitely a story that will continue unfolding in the podcast. Um, Michael Jackson. So the world's gone crazy in the last three or four days because of this new documentary called Leaving Neverland, which is a two-parter. I don't know if it's come out in the UK yet, but it's been out in the US. It has, because I missed it last night for Celebrity Apprentice. You missed it for Celebrity Apprentice. Rylan is the team leader. All hell breaks loose. It's a fantastic episode <laughs> of The Apprentice. Mate, it's so good. That. Hold on, hold on. Wait, back up, back up. So Celebrity Apprentice is on in the UK and Rylan Clark is on it. Rylan Clark is the project manager. Yes. How did I not know about this? And I also, mean, I, I try Kelly... to pretend I'm an Apprentice super fan, but clearly I'm not. Well, it's a it's a it's a comic relief special like the last uh, one, so it's not like a full season. But it's got Amanda Holden. It's got um, it's it's essentially all these characters from different like ITV reality shows. So it's got the Good Morning Britain guy who's not Piers Morgan. It's got Amanda Holden from Britain's Got Talent. It's got um, oh what's her name Ida Ida something who's Robbie Williams's wife Ida Williams I suppose uh, who's Robbie Williams's wife. Um, who else has it got Kelly Hoppen who's the interior designer who replaced Deborah Meaden in Dragon's Den. Really? Although yeah. She, um, I, I work two doors down from the Kelly Hoppen offices. Did you? Well, there yeah, we go. Yeah, she's actually, she's actually a really nice lady. Yeah, she, um, she pulls up in her Bentley, and she's got a driver that sits outside our office smoking fags and watching Netflix on his phone. All day I long. love that. I love that um, so much. But yeah, she's really cool. She's really cool. Uh, oh, I to watch. Who is? Who else is in it that's you, that you'd recognise? Omar Jalili. The problem is, is that Russell Kane's in it, and I don't like Russell Kane. Omar Jalili's in it. He's great. Oh, he's so funny, man. Have you ever seen him live? I've never seen him live. I've seen him, see him on my mum once at uh, like a theatre near us when he was doing one of his comedy tours, and he's absolutely hilarious. I think he's oh, one he's of so the good. he's one of the best guests that Gra- when when he's on Graham Norton, he's always so funny. Mm. Um, he's yeah, he's he one is. of those comedians that is just like naturally likable, which is great. Anyway, anyway, we're losing the plot. We're going to be talking about something <laughs> really depressing, and we're having fun. Um, so, Leaving Neverland, the two-part documentary, which has just come out in the UK. I'm going to be watching it here in. New Zealand in the next few days I think it comes out um, but it essentially it's a HBO documentary gotta love them um, <laughs> that breaks down the experiences of two children who are now adults who became kind of favoured by Michael and were kind of brought out to Neverland and spent a lot of time with him but things you know the, 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 there's claims that are made in the documentary I haven't watched it yet so I don't want to paraphrase but there's stuff about how he slept in the same room in the same bed system and all of this kind of stuff all very weird um, but this is what struck me the most so on New Zealand news this is huge um, I'm sure it is everywhere but there's nothing new here really like if you think about it he is one of the greatest examples of celebrities who have been accused of abusing their power but the whole thing's been swept under the rug because of how much people like their music mm-hmm. like every like in my mind i've known that there's something wrong there for a very long time and so have mo- so has most of the world but nothing's ever really come to a head as a result of it like there was a court case in 2004 but he was acquitted um and since then everyone's kind of thought he's a bit of a wrong'un and what did they, what did they call him the nickname was wacky wacko jacko, wacko jacko yeah. which was kind of if you think about it now is kind of a sounds like a savalesque way to kind of demonstrify his strange behavior um it's showing all the signs of something that should not have happened and we're now all a bit ashamed that we didn't give the time that it needed when it was happening um so i think it's great that the documentary is bringing all of this out i think it's just a bit shocking to me that it's only now that we're seeing this huge reaction from it and i mean it is you know whether it's um deserved or not it's it's another example of a massive social media knee-jerk reaction right so this this documentary started trending and then in like the last 48 hours all New Zealand 
radio stations have pulled Michael Jackson songs from their radio shows. A lot of that's happened across the world as well. Um, what else has happened? Uh, the, there's a famous Simpsons episode that has been pulled from circulation because it's got Michael Jackson in it. And it's like, it's that classic, like, modern day 2018, 2019 response to this kind of thing becoming topical. Do you know what I mean? Cut him out of all of reality, essentially. Yeah. Just cut him out. Like he was never he never he was never there. He never existed. And I'm not I'm not I'm not defending him by any means. I'm very much looking forward to watching this documentary because I think it I think it is great that it's, it's people are shedding light on this. I mean, fact, it's got a this documentary's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of hate, but it's also got a lot of defence. So there's a campaign. There's like billboards up in London at the moment, which are crowdfunded, that are saying like preserve Michael's innocence and all of this kind of stuff from like Michael Jackson fans that just want to kind of get rid of all these rumours and all of this speculation. Um, but Louis Ferru, I thought, was the most interesting commentator on this. He tweeted the other day. It was actually yesterday he tweeted and he said, if you can't see that Michael Jackson was a paedophile after watching Dan Reed's film, you are being willfully blind. And if you are campaigning against it, you are actively colluding in the silencing of victims. A really, really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, I, it, I, I suppose that is the case. Like if you are campaigning against it, you are, you are trying to silence free speech, um, which is... I don't know. It's all quite intense. Mm. Um, I, I don't really li- know what, what to think until I watch it, really. But next week, let's um, let's chat about it a bit more. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, too. Um, let's both watch it before next week, and then we can have a proper discussion about it. I I don't know what to think. I mean, I, 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 have, I, I just suppose that I've always thought, even since Michael Jackson's death, and I've always loved his music, um... I've always kind of just thought that he was a really troubled individual who, who had, who always did those terrible things. I watched. Um, I can't remember. The, I always get his name wrong on this podcast. Um, the Channel Four guy, um, Krishnan something, um, who did who did a documentary in about in early two thousands at Neverland. I think it was. I think it might have been called Finding Neverland. I'm not sure. Um, and that I watched that full documentary. It was horrified by what Neverland stood for it just it just to me seemed so problematic and you could defend it and say actually it's magical but it was just the way that Michael Jackson was interacting with these with these children that just felt to me as so wrong mm. um now I can't the, the thing is is that you're right there's crucially there is no new information that's come out about this I I kind of want some I kind of want some closure on this I don't want this whole media furore. I kind of just don't want it to be talked about anymore. I kind of just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a bit done with. I'm, I, I want it to. I don't want the victims to be silenced, but I want actual facts and I want actual like responses and responsibilities towards this and like people like Oprah not just like denouncing him over Twitter because of because of this documentary. I want, I want like. An actual well, she investigation. Did, she did more than that. Did you? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But on the Oprah point, she did a lot more than that. So the day of the documentary um, coming out, she got both men together on her show. Did you see that? Yes. And and she did this like it was actually quite powerful. But she did this thing where she got like a hundred and the whole audience was like it was like a hundred and fifty men who um, were sexual abuse victims. And they got them all to kind of stand up, and it was this idea of kind of bringing everyone together to make make this point on national television in the U.S. that this is this is something that seems to hide in plain sight. And it's again, I, I think it's like the way we talk about male suicide. Like this is a big serious thing that happens, and everyone's kind of very fixated on other aspects of sexual violence and sexual crime that they don't realise how prevalent some parts are for men. Yeah. Um very interesting. Very, very interesting. But yeah, no, let's watch it and let's chat about it next week. Hundred percent. Final bit of news. End on a highlight. End on a, on a happy note, I mean. Oh yes, I have a sec- I have a final bit of news. Because you did two and three, I got confused. Um my final bit of news is that Idris Elba will take over as Deadshot in the new Suicide Squad sequel. Now this is very interesting news. I love it as well. So 
This, this is, is part of the James Gunn shake-up, right? This is part of the James Gunn shake-up. Um, Smith bowed out of the new movie due to scheduling conflicts. I'm not exactly and sure what he Also, was probably because he was asking for too much money because the last one was shit. Probably as well, yep. Um, but what I think what's interesting about this story is, A, that Idris Elba is going to do a great job. I'm just I'm just convinced of it. He's going to be fantastic. Um, secondly, is, that, is, is in researching this, I looked at what the plans for James Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to be. And it's just simply titled The Suicide Squad. And it's reportedly a soft relaunch of the concept. Yeah, it's a soft reboot, isn't it? Yeah, which I kind of like. It's 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 important. I think if they did a sequel, it just it I think I think it would the characters would gelled in such weird directions the last time that a sequel well, David, to anything. D- David Ayer just wasn't the director for it. No. Like he not just at all. categorically wasn't. And, and and James Gunn was there and was the obvious person to do it. But then he was poached by Marvel to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Um, he's also apparently. I saw yesterday that they're eyeing Dave Batista for a role. Oh, that'll be cool. Um, which is cool. I think that's probably because him and James have such a good relationship. I mean, he was one of the most uh, outspoken defenders of him. When yeah, all spoke of that about stuff. It, spoke out. around it. Went to Britain and did interviews, like defending just for the purpose of defending James Gunn. Um, it was ama- it was amazing. Um, I, sp- I suppose El- Gunn says that Elba was the first and only choice to replace Smith, which I really like. Um, but what's also interesting is Margot Robbie has not confirmed whether she will return for the Suicide Squad after she finishes her highly focused spin-off, Birds of Prey. Now, I talked about Birds of Prey on the podcast weeks ago, weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I and then I. And then a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Ewan McGregor becoming Black Mask. What's interesting is I did not know that the title of this film is Birds of Prey, Brackets, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. So this is fully, fully all around Harley spinoff. And it also seems mm. like the birds, as opposed to being quite gritty, which I thought it was going to be, I think it's going to be another another Deadpool. Do you know what it's I mean? Like, the, like soft. Shazam. It's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be either a hard Deadpool or a or a soft Deadpool. I think it'll be. I think Shazam is the softest Deadpool. Then I think it'll be Birds of Prey, and then I will think it'll. I think it's Deadpool. Um, mm. So that's interesting. It's an interesting piece of news. I'm excited to see Idris Elba. I want. Please don't do an American accent, Idris Elba. I want you to be speaking doing an English English accent. I think it will be so much better for character. I think Mate, really I'm cool. still I'm, I'm still reading from how nuts I think that Hobson Shaw Fast and Furious spin-off looks with him playing a villain called Brixton. It looks so bad but so good. I cannot wait to watch it. It's going to be so good. Um and that I suppose ends the news. Yeah, man, let's talk about Paddleton. Paddleton. So that's it. That's it. That's the, that's the review done. That, that's, really, that's it. That's it. <laughs> just a, just a brief exhale. Just a um, sigh. Just ah. Oh. Yeah. So this is another film from uh, the Duplass Brothers Productions. Now, I mean, I've been. I mean, we've spoken about this before. I can't remember when, but I'm a I'm a huge Mark Duplass fan. He's the actor who plays um, the main guy in Paddleton. Um, his name escapes me. Um, oh, I have but, it. Michael. On, what's his name? Michael, so he plays Michael in Paddleton alongside Ray Romano, who, for the purposes of people understanding who he is, we're just going to call him Ray. I can't even remember what his name is. His name's and his name's Andy, but yes, I will also call him Ray. Or, ev- well, we or will be just everybody loves Raymond. I will call him maybe as everybody loves Raymond. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but Mark Duplass, he is one half of the Duplass Brothers Productions with his brother Jay, who's a filmmaker. Um, they've done a load of stuff. I mean, I first met Mark. I, well, I first kind of was introduced to Mark Duplass through the TV series The League, which is an American sitcom about a group of friends who are all in a fantasy football league together. Um, and that group, kind of the the actors in that show, have kind of all really exploded now into this kind of certain realm of American comedy. Like the, the alumni of that show are the guys that do Big Mouth, the guys that do The Good Place. Um, they, they, they're just, they're in Seth Rogen films. Like they, they've just become very, very big as a result of that one show. And they're all still very close. For example, Mark Duplass is married to his league co-star, um, ah. which is really sweet. Um, but he, when I watch The League, I mean, it's not like, it's not going to win any 
like nominations for best writing or anything. It is just a, a shit sitcom that's quite funny. Um, but he, him, and his brother are really kind of you know kind of quietly making some of the most interesting films in Hollywood. Like they they made um, a documentary called Wild Wild Country, which was out on Netflix last year, which was about kind of a a weird hippie cult uh, out in the US which was kind of founded by this like Indian guru which I believe um, won the Emmy as well last year which is which I think is, it did yeah yeah they, they made they made the documentary Evil Genius which is about the um, the bank heist with the bomb collar that was really interesting if anyone watched that um, and they've they've just made a bunch of really interesting films they made a movie called Creep which is kind of widely regarded as one of the best kind of homemade horror films out there um, it's all kind of shaky cam. It was all filmed on an iPhone. Um, they did a film called Bagheads, which is like another horror comedy, which is meant to be quite good. Um, and along with Alex Lehman, who is the guy who directed Paddleton, they did a film last year called Blue Jay. Now, I had no idea about this until late last night after I finished watching Paddleton. I, l- I did some digging. But when I was doing my Critic Quote Awards for this film, there were a few reviewers, I think it was the AV Club that mentioned it, that said, like, it's not quite as good as Blue Jay that came out last year and it's kind of lesser known, but it's still doing the same kind of thing. And so I thought, like, what the hell is Blue Jay? And it's this, like, romantic film starring Mark Duplass and Sarah Paulson, of oh. all people. Um, and it's, it, it's, like, very quietly garnered quite a lot of critical praise. Um and it fascinated me because I mean we all know our thoughts on Sarah Paulson uh, she does the same fucking thing in every single fucking role she does so it'd be quite cool to go and watch that now after watching Paddleton and see what it's actually like yeah um, but this movie I mean it's it, it's heartfelt it's sombre it's incredibly funny I mean what, do you, what are your thoughts on it um, for me it, for me this film is a knockout I loved I loved it so much it took a while to get into it start it has a yeah. very deadpan sense of humor and um, it starts off with starts off with the discovery of I suppose let's let's explain the I'll, I'll explain the premise is that uh, two friends Michael and Andy um, are that one Andy lives above Michael um, and they both are single men on their on their own and they have this lovely friendship where they play a game called Paddleton which is their own invention um, where which is essentially a game of squash but you hit it against a wall and you're trying to get it into a big uh, huge me- um, metal can or dustbin or or barrel um, they also play board games Trivial Pursuit they have their favorite film which is Death Punch which is a sort of like mick take of um, like that, that that classic kung fu movie. Um, Michael at the beginning of the film discovers he has cancer, and he asks Andy if um, he will assist him with his suicide, which is possible. Um, which you you if you are only given six months to live, you can take um, or less than six months to live, you can take a concoction of drugs that will kill you um, whenever you want to do it before you get into the serious pain of cancer. Now, it's it's a very it's a hard. I thought that I when I saw the description of this film, I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. But the film, yeah, me neither. Um, the film tricks you into a sense of like fun and excitement at the start of it. Like it takes about thirty minutes, forty minutes to get into, and then um, Michael and Andy go on holiday to to grab these pills. And I think for me, that's when the film really like gets going properly. Yeah, there are yeah, some yeah. really funny moments. Um, my, for me, the, for me, one of the funniest moments in the film is is where they're at a bar. They're supposed to be doing karaoke, and they do a full reenactment of Death Wish. I think it's a really sweet moment. Death um, Punch. Death Punch. Yes, Death Wish is an actual film. Um, uh, Whereas and, Death Punch is a fictional film in the movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, it's just it just has so many funny moments, um, which lulls you into full sense of security. And then the last 20 30 minutes of the film are excruciating. Excruciating heartbreak. I watched this film last night and um, I've been in a funk for the last two days, I'll be honest. It is awful. I've never I've I've never seen something more harrowing because I believe so much in the characters. It is um, it's incredi- it's incredibly believable that final. So I mean it, it, it's no spoiler to kind of it, this film, like, it, it, it's not got any twists or turns. You know exactly where it's going right from the start of the movie. 
um, that that shouldn't be to its detriment. That doesn't mean like don't go and watch it because you know what's going to happen in the end. Because no, it, it's kind of besides the point. Well, it adds to the point. Kind it's kind of like about a the journey clock. of getting there, which is yeah. what's so impressive. But yeah, you're right. The, the the first kind of third, maybe half of the film is it, it kind of this slightly offbeat buddy comedy that's not particularly great if i'm honest Mm. um but then it kind of gets into this kind of road trip kind of narrative and that becomes really exciting and interesting and then it gets to that final sort of third of the film where it's like you're watching something that no one should ever have to go through and you're watching it in an incredibly believable way like there's not there's not a moment in that last especially in those kind of final scenes with the two of them together there is not like there's nothing in there that makes me think that it's a movie like everything is so well acted that it is so it, it's so believable um that it that it makes you very uncomfortable um it kind of i never watched the whole season and you know we've ranted about it quite a lot um but that scene the actual scene where she kills herself in 13 reasons why is so unbelievably harrowing and hard to watch because it looks so real um and this is on an emotional level even worse than that or even more um powerful because ray and michael are kind of they're talking kind of right up until the end and communicating and they're going through this whole process which is a real thing that you can do as you mentioned in the states and it's just um it's really hard to watch really really hard to watch um and and just so unbelievably well acted i i actually i I was gobsmacked i was gobsmacked that it wasn't a real thing that was actually happening on the screen in front of me it's amazing i think that ray romano in this film is fantastic i only know him really from everybody loves raymond i know he's he's becoming he's becoming quite a um well-regarded actor now so Mm. i'm not i'm not saying he wasn't before but he's doing that kind of steve carell thing where he did a certain line of work for so long and is now in his older age maturing into a quite an interesting character actor so i don't know if you've seen the film the big sick have you seen that so i watched that with ollie recently and it's um it's a it's a kind of a it's a rom-com but that's a really rubbish way of putting it it's kind of a it's a it's a drama film but it's essentially about an indian like a young Indian millennial who falls in love with this white girl and then she um, slips into a coma and it's like this rare illness that no one knows what to do about do with and he's kind of stuck on the other end with her mum and dad who is Ray Romano and I can't remember the, the actress that plays his wife kind of grieving and dealing with the whole thing and it's it's such a good film and Ray gives another kind of real powerhouse performance of a man who's kind of uh, losing his wife, but also kind of dealing with the fact that his daughter's in a hospital. It is brilliant. It's a really, really good film, um, which is why I don't think I was as surprised as you when this movie came out, because I kind of saw the trailers for it and I thought, ah, oh, terrific. Like, Ray's following up that performance with another really good emotional performance. Mm. Um but no, it's, it's just great to see. It's really, really cool. It, make, it makes me really excited to see what else he's doing because I think the more and more he gets noticed, um, the more and more he's probably up for potential Oscars and Academy Awards and BAFTAs and all, all sorts. Imagine after, if Ray Romano won an Academy Award for Best Actor in three years' time. After this film, I would be... How mad is that? I would be. I would. I would. Ne- I would not be surprised after this film because he's such a good actor in this. What's great about him is that he has a real sense of comedy. Um, he has really good comic timing. It's that. It's that kind of. Um, have you ever watched the trip um, with Steve Coogan and Rob? Yeah, Bryden? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah very it's that. Similar. It's yeah. It's that sort of comedy. That sort of deadpan, very dry, very like complainy sense of humor, like taken from a road trip like idea, um, and it's. It's it's great, but also, I think the best one of the best scenes that Ray does is when is the end where someone's moving into the flat, and it's that final sort of wave to wave to the new couple, uh, the new couple. It's a mother and a son, um, but wave to the new people who are moving into the thing, um, and sort of that walk off, and then the the coming back into the conversation, then leaving again, and that sort of glint he does to the camera. It's the only time in the film that it breaks the fourth wall slightly. He has a glint to the camera. And it's just a small thing, and I was like, "Wow, 
That mm. is an amazing acting choice to do. And what's great about this is that Ray Romano does an amazing performance, but also Mark Duplass is also fantastic as Michael. Um, the scene where he is acting dying is uh, harrowing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how you do that, and it was all a one take shot, wasn't it? Like, yeah. It, it's it, correct me if I'm wrong because I was quite tired when I was watching it last night. But it, it was a one take shot from them sitting down in the living room to Ray going to get the drink from the kitchen, right? And yes. then going back in. Yeah. So it's so it's about four minutes, and it's like, yeah. I mean. Phew. Oh, incredible! Incredible! Absolutely incredible! I, I, I really implore anyone who hasn't seen it to go and watch it. It's, it's not a very long film, and it's um, it's a very important one. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's also we... uh, fun. F- just, just before you, that, just before, I completely agree. You were about to say going into critic, critic quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just quickly before that, um, special mention goes to um, Ma- um, the person who plays Kirsten in this film, who is Evan's mum, who is Margaret Moreau who I was like, I know her from somewhere. I know her from somewhere. Yeah, so did I. Wet, hot American summer. <gasps> no way! Yeah, yes! She's the, um, she's the camp um, something. Isn't she the one that owns the camp? No, she's not the one who owns the camp. I think she's the one who... Um, I think I think she's the one that the story's kind of based around. She's like... The, the, like oh, I can't... Maybe she's the one who owns the camp. Maybe she is. I don't know. Let's rewatch I, it. Let's rewatch it. It gives us We're an excuse American to rewatch all of, of it again. TV shows out there. Yes, a hundred percent. I forgot it's... about that. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so critic quote awards for Paddleton. Um, my best description of this film comes from Mike Scott from Times Picayune. Uh, he said a sweet, funny, sometimes meandering exploration of the relationship between two friends. It's also ultimately a heartbreaking journey, but in the most lovely way possible. I think that's really true. I think that this film weaves three things together. It weaves together like the offbeat, heartwarming friendship of two men who have kind of found their place. They'd say it in the film. They've kind of found their spot in life and they're quite content with it. Um, It also weaves in the journey of a man who's discovered he has terminal illness and kind of what that's like and what he goes through and the, the kind of decisions he has to make on a daily basis. But then it also weaves in which is kind of, I think, one of my favourite part elements of the film, but it's kind of lesser developed, is the fact that Ray's character hasn't quite, like like Mark says in the film, he mentions that he was married once, and he says that he's found his spot in life, but you, you kind of get this impression in the film that Ray's character is not necessarily being held back by his friendship with Mark, but he's kind of not experienced as much as Michael has. Sorry, Michael, not Mark. He hasn't experienced as much in life, and he's kind of found this spot of comfort, but it's not quite what he need. He hasn't quite achieved everything he needs to achieve in his life. Exactly, um, yes. And, and Michael passing is giving him that ability, even though it's not explicitly mentioned, it's giving him that chance to actually branch out in life and experience things that he hasn't experienced already, um, which I think is a really nice element of the film. A hundred percent. I love that, the bit, the bit at the end, where that little bit where you can see that um, Andy, Andy or Ray is going to be fine, and that's a, that's a beautiful part of the film. Um, my best description is from Katie Walsh from the Tribune News Service and she says while Paddleton takes its time to get there it ultimately reaches a deeply poignant conclusion if you're patient enough that alone could be worth a trip Um, I think patient enough is a bit too strong I think that it does take its time to get there um, and but you don't need patience you don't need patience I I, I don't think you need patience critically as well the, one of the great things about this film is that it does take a while to get to the good bits, but critically, it's not too long because the film's an hour and a half, which is great. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not talking an incredibly drawn out movie here. Like, what was it that we watched recently that could have had forty minutes cut from it? The Old Man and the Gun. The Old Man and the Gun. Yeah. No, there was another one though, wasn't there? There was one where we were just like, God, this film went on way too long. Um, oh, Cob Soup. Was... Mm, no, not Cob Soup. What was it? <laughs> Looking oh, back. Aquaman! Aquaman! Like oh, you could Aquaman. have lost like forty minutes of Aquaman, it would have been a better movie. But this is not. An but we didn't want Aquaman that. to be a better movie, crucially. <laughs> I also think there's an element of people think it's people think it's patience that you need to persevere through this film. But in reality, I think it's just because you know from the offset that it's going to have a grave ending. Um, you're quite tense. 
uh, as you're watching this film, no matter how funny and, and light some of the moments are. Like there's a bit where they're talking in the car about like if if you could have wishes from a genie, how many wishes would you need before you finally decide to get the sand off wish? And Michael's like, what the fuck is the sand off wish? And he's like, oh, like, imagine you've gone to the beach and you're all sandy and you could just say sand off and all the sand comes off your body. Um, and the idea is, like, how many wishes would you need until you fu- you get so bored of wishing that you decide to wish for that? And then Ray's like, oh, I'd need 12. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you do all the, all the regular things, like cure your cancer, be able to fly, be invisible, lots of money, and then sand off. And then he goes like, then he sort of stops for a second, and Michael kind of appreciates what he said. And he goes, he goes, actually, no, no, no. Like, I'd want pajamas on first. <laughs> it's just, it's like, so but, like, no matter how light and funny the scenes get, you're still there. Like, haha, that's great, but this is still going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's all rolling towards its awful conclusion. Um, definitely. Your my most savage quote, worst description of this film. Now there weren't a lot to choose from, so I think we've probably got the same one. Uh, mine's from David Edelstein of the New York Magazine. Yes, I have the same one, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So David Edelstein, I'll say it for both of us, said, to get a sense of how excruciating the first hour is, you need to imagine Dumb and Dumber played for tears instead of laughs. I mean, how pedantic is that? Like, get over yourself, man. If you didn't enjoy the first hour, just turn it off. Don't. It's not Dumb and Dumber played for tears. Yeah. I can't like, imagine Dumb and Dumber. I can't imagine actually a, a worse illusion than Dumb and Dumber. Um, for this film, it's, uh, Bill, Bill and Ted, <laughs> Wayne's World, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, excellent. Is that it? Yeah, I've watched yeah. Wayne's World in years. I want to watch Wayne, Wayne's World again. Wait, I've not seen that it was in ages. That, that was something that we didn't talk about in our Oscars roundup. Was that Mike Myers and the other guy from Wayne's World came out as their characters? They came yes. out as Wayne and yes, Garth they did, and, and announced an award. We ma- we massively overlooked that man. Um, Party time! Party um, time! Excellent! Yeah, savage, savage quotes. And so, what was your favourite moment? The final scene? Uh, no, my favourite moment is Ray Romano performing a monologue of his his winning um, football speech, where he would get all the players in and would then tell this um, football speech. And he just starts right. like he just starts the speech as like I'm you're gonna lose this game and it's gonna be sad you're gonna lose this game and it's terrible and then my favorite bit of the whole thing is he goes into like talking about the different people he's like you you're you're probably gonna live in Colorado aren't you Jimmy and you Kevin you're gonna be a writer and then he says this line and you'll have a drinking problem maybe but that that will make you a better writer and I was like yes yeah yes but great it's... line. But I love the halftime speech because there's a bit where he's like, close your eyes, close your eyes, and you're back in the game! <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's so, so good. Such so, funny so girl. funny. Um, yeah, I think that or the or the scene where they take the lethal dosage and like, like we said, that like four minute stretch. Um, yeah, just incredible. Yeah. incredible. Oh, my best moment, I, uh, like the notes I wrote is just, wasn't... sorry. Go on, go on. Um, my, my my best moment. It's just it's it's just written death punch act out or baseball speech or death. I was like too many to choose from, <laughs> all of them. Put them all in. <laughs> what were you gonna say? One mate? thing I am gutted about is that we didn't. We saw a few scenes of Paddleton, but not enough to fully grasp the rules. I would like to play Paddleton, and I'm still not sure how to play it. So. If you find anything online about how to play Paddleton, we will add it to the list of games that we've said we're going to play on this yes. podcast, including your own homemade Monopoly set. Which and eventually, we will here. do a live stream of games. That would be amazing. That's a great well, we're, we're, we're also we say this solo episode. We also said we were going to play um, Crabat or whatever it's called. That's so, that that game that they, that car game that they play Sabak Sabak yes. Sabak yes. Krabat. Krabat Krabat it's a Thai German <laughs> um, so what would you give Paddleton out of 10 mate I would give Paddleton an 8 I think it's yeah. a great film I think that I can't give it any higher than an 8 because I can't say that I enjoyed the first 20 minutes of this film um, yeah, but I, I, think, I give it I think an 8 after, as well yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think an 8 makes sense Excited to see more work from the Duplass brothers. Indeed, indeed. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it, man. We've I'm going to go podcast. and take a wander through the New Zealand countryside. 
can I just say, we, like when we when we have done Skype recordings before, it's never been this good Wi-Fi, and it's very confusing. I know, to me. I know. Maybe I should just stay out here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've got a beautiful <laughs> not like, come the, back to my shit home Wi-Fi. And the screen, I can just. What's even nicer is that I can just see you at the screen, and like it's just so sunny in that room. I can just tell. Yeah, it's glorious. Yeah. It's glorious. Um, you should see. But the yeah, rain as always, outside. thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, next week we are going to be reviewing Captain Marvel, which came Woo! out. I think it's out in the UK today for you, isn't it? It came out yesterday for us. I was going um, to go to a midnight screening last night, but it got, um, for free. My friend was going to get me a free t- free tickets, but then her shift got cancelled. Um, so she oh, can get free tickets. It's gutting, but I will definitely see it soon. I might see it this weekend. Um, and we've said we're not that excited for this film, but um, no, I'm, and I think the reviews are going to speak for themselves by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm excited for the um, the last the um, end end of credits scene. That's what I'm yes. excited for this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I've up. heard the term "perfectly serviceable" be thrown around, <laughs> which doesn't fill me with confidence. I did, I, but this is what I said to you when we first saw the trailers for Captain Marvel. The first ones came out. I said to you, "This just looks plain. It looks like a reskinning of all of the elements of Captain America and the other generic things that they've done before." But this time round, it's not the first time they're doing it with a new, like, set of character, completely new set of characters. So it's not, it's not going to have the same pull. I just don't think it's going to be that interesting. Yeah, I would, I would prefer it if it wasn't a. I prefer if it was more Guardians of the Galaxy referenced rather than S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America referenced does yeah. that make sense because she's a yeah, cosmic yeah. character who spends most of her time on Earth with Nick Fury I wanted to spend most yeah. of her time in in in, the, in space fighting weird creatures that have quips exactly exactly yeah um, well but we yeah. will see and we will also watch Leaving Neverland and probably if we feel it's worth it we'll probably discuss that as kind of the main bit of news next week because um, I assume we've only just heard the beginning of the debacle this yes, week I'm indeed. sure there's going to be much more to talk about around that next week but yes thank you very much for listening thank you very much Will thank you very much Jake and we will see you all next